Hi there, my name is Adam Waters, and I'm the lead pastor here at Grace Bible Church in Elmhurst, Illinois. I'm just so glad that you made the decision to take us along with you this week on life's journey. Here at Grace Bible Church, we are a family of faith who seeks forgiveness, healing, and hope in Jesus Christ. Now, we might all come from different backgrounds, but each of us recognize that the tremendous needs in our lives point us to one place, to God, for His answers, His provision, and mostly, for His grace. I hope the following program gives you a new perspective on who God is, who you are, and how you too might find forgiveness, healing, and hope in our Lord Jesus. Thanks for listening. Listen to the word of the Lord. Luke 24, 13 through 49. That very day, two of them were going to a village named Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. And they were talking with each other about all these things that had happened. While they were talking and discussing together, Jesus himself drew near and went with them. But their eyes were kept from recognizing him. And he said to them, what is this conversation that you are holding with each other as you walk? And they stood still, looking sad. Then one of them, named Cleopas, answered him, Are you the only visitor to Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened there in these days? And he said to them, What things? And they said to him, Concerning Jesus of Nazareth, a man who was a mighty prophet in deed and word before God and all the people, and how our chief priests and rulers delivered him up to be condemned to death and crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one to redeem Israel. Yes, and beside all this, it is now the third day since these things happened. Moreover, some women of our company amazed us. They were at the tomb early in the morning. And when they did not find his body, they came back saying that they had even seen a vision of angels who said that he was alive. Some of those who were with us went to the tomb and we found it just as the women had said, but him they did not see. And he said to them, O oh, foolish ones and slowed of heart to believe all the prophets have spoken. Was it not necessary that the Christ should suffer these things and enter into his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. So they drew near to the village to which they were going. He acted as if he were going farther, but they urged him strongly, saying, Stay with us, for it is toward evening, and the day is now far spent. So he went in to stay with them. When he was at the table with them, he took the bread and blessed and broke it and gave it to them. And their eyes were opened, and they recognized him, and he vanished from their sight. They said to each other, Did not our hearts burn within us while he talked us on the road, while he opened the scriptures? And they rose that same hour and returned to Jerusalem. And they found the eleven, and those who were with them gathered together, saying, The Lord has risen indeed and has appeared to Simon. Then they told what had happened on the road and how he was known to them in the breaking of the bread. As they were talking about these things, Jesus himself stood among them and said to them, Peace to you. But they were startled and frightened and thought they saw a spirit. And he said to them, why are you troubled, and why do doubts arise in your hearts? See my hands and my feet, that it is I myself? Touch me and see, for a spirit does not have flesh and bones as you see that I have. And when he had said this, he showed them his hands and his feet. And while they still disbelieved for joy and were marveling, he said to them, 
Have you anything here to eat? They gave him a piece of broiled fish, and he took it and ate before them. Then he said to them, These are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you, that everything written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures and said to them, Thus it is written that the Christ should suffer and on the third day rise from the dead, and that repentance for the forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in his name to all nations beginning from Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things, and behold, I am sending the promise of my Father upon you. But stay in the city until you are clothed with power from on high. We have a family who has been attending this church for a long time. They actually, last year, the sort of final holdouts of the family left and moved to the North Woods of Wisconsin. And one Sunday they were saying goodbye. They had said goodbye to everybody. It happened to be the following week was Lane and I's sort of vacation. We were going to the North Woods of Wisconsin. And so I said, let's just pop in on them. I got the address, figured out where they were. And I arrived to the house and there are construction people going in and out. The house is being remodeled. And I walked in and the husband's sitting in a chair and he's looking down at something. And I said, hello. And he looked up and he I know you. I know I know you. Who are you? And I sat there and let him squirm for a while. I said, it's me, Adam. He said, and it still took him a second. Oh my goodness, what are you doing here? He could not believe that I had come all the way up there. I said, I can't convince you to come back to GBC, can I? He's like, huh? I told him I was on vacation and we had this interaction. Why didn't he recognize me? He was out of context. He was not expecting for me to be there. So when he walked in, even though he's known me for years, I've been his pastor for years, he could not put a name with the face. You know, there are times that we too cannot see something because we are so influenced by our expectations of the way things should be. Sometimes we miss Jesus himself. Because we're expecting him to come in a certain way or appear to us or work in our situation in a certain way. So we don't see him. But the resurrected Christ speaks to us along our road. He walks with us seeking for us to see that it's him. Seeking for us to embrace him. And seeking for us to trust in him. So be looking. We don't want to miss this in our daily life. We do not want to miss where Jesus is seeking to reveal himself to us because he has important things to say. He has important things to say about who he is, about your circumstances. He has important things to say about yourself, revealing you to you in a way that nothing or no one else can. But we miss out. We are so often distracted by this world, the things of this world. We're going here and there, and many of you know, picking up kids at one place, dropping kids off at another place. This one's got to be here. This one's got to be there. Distracted by the news that we see on television as it seems like the whole world is being torn apart at the seams. We're distracted by relationships and people who are hard to deal with, difficult to love. Sometimes it's us. And so all the while, we see these circumstances growing and we miss the very person who can make it all make sense. 
Sometimes we fail to see our very need. So we go about this world working and striving, trying harder and harder to fix, manage, and control everything so that it finally comes out the way that it should, the way we think it should. But it rarely does. And when it does, we just have emptiness at the end. Today's scripture was long. We read about two disciples leaving Jerusalem after their hopes have been dashed. Everything that they had hoped for in this world and this Messiah was gone, and they did what any of us would likely do. They just went home. So they walked to their home in Emmaus, about six miles from Jerusalem. It was several days after the Passover, and this climactic week had occurred, and finally there was no other reason to stay. But what can this text teach us? Because this text has answers for our life today, for you today about what the resurrected Jesus is wanting to reveal to you and how he does it. So the first is to recognize already sort of what we talked about is that the resurrected Christ is seeking you on the road of life. Whether or not you recognize this to be true, he is. Jesus is calling you to himself. He's wanting you to turn to him and say, yes, what is it that you'd like to tell me? We look at the events around us and the people around us. We must recognize that Christ is seeking our heart amid them. Think of the many strangers in your life who you've come across over the course of your lifetime. People who have often spoken a word that you needed to hear at just the right time. The scripture says that there are times that we entertain angels unaware. Do you have those angels in your story? People that just popped in and said a word. It was like it was from God himself delivering it. Never saw him again. Maybe never even got a name. But a messenger from God. Jesus is seeking to speak to you through those people. Scripture says, out of the mouths of babes pour forth praise. Sometimes we get the word from the Lord from someone we least expect. But we have to be listening. Otherwise, we allow the person to get in the way and say, that one could never give me anything. Sometimes it's our conversations. In preparation for this week, it's been a long week. We've done lots of, the band has done a lot of work in preparing music. Michael, Aaron, Stephanie, and others have done a great job. If I name, look, I could name them all be 50 people long. Everybody did a great job. It really did. And so I was thinking about how much bandwidth did I want to put into this because it's a lot of work. And so I was sitting in my chair in my living room with my feet up. I was quiet. I was watching TV. And Elaine looked over and said, are you going to preach on Psalm 22? Now, I had not intended on talking about Psalm 22 at all. But I know that when my wife speaks, it often rumbles with the voice of the Lord. And so I looked over and I said, well, yes, yes, I am. (laughs) And so I knew that God had wanted me in that. It was in that moment I knew, be listening. It was in that moment that God told me and delivered to me what he wanted to be said. It aligned perfect with the text that we went through where Jesus on the cross has dying words, Eloi, Eloi, lemma sabachthani, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And so it was good and right that we went through and we discussed it, but I would not have done it otherwise. And when I, it's interesting, when I stepped out in faith, I said, okay, I don't really want to write a message, but I'll write a message. I said, Lord, you got to give it to me. It just fell out. It just all came out onto paper. It's amazing what God can do in your life when you simply entrust yourself and say, okay, what do you want me to do? 
all the fighting and striving that we do in our lives, it's so much easier sometimes to just do it God's way. As you look at your life circumstances, think about what is God trying to tell you? The people you're struggling with, the relationships that are not going well, the financial woes that you're having. You know, it's really interesting. Sometimes Jesus is saying in our lack of money, trust him. Sometimes he's telling us in our wealth of money, you have too much. Sometimes when we're worrying about how to pay a bill or we're worrying about where to send our kids to school or where we're attending to do, Jesus is speaking to us in those moments and he's calling you to trust him. As we look at the current events and it seems like life, very confusing right now. We have factions everywhere. We watch TV, the news, one says this, the others say that. If you believe this, you're bad. If you believe this, you're good. And there's suspicion, even among families. What is Jesus trying to tell us there? What is Jesus trying to tell to us as his brothers and sisters about who he is? I think Jesus is trying to tell us that he's still on the throne. (laughs) He's in charge. He's sovereign and nothing is apart from his sovereign will that we can trust him. The amazing thing about this is it doesn't require you to come to church to hear Jesus. All too often, we confuse church with Jesus. And so we expect to hear Jesus here, but we don't expect to hear Jesus there. But if you look throughout the pages of Scripture, rarely did Jesus say anything within a synagogue. When he did, it was often just to tick off the Pharisees. Sometimes we see Jesus away from this place in our day-to-day. Indeed, that's the way that it should be. You know, this truth about looking for Jesus, about expecting him to be calling you and speaking and communicating to you through your circumstances, the people, through God's word, outside of church, this is not something just for new believers. This is a message we all need because that's my fear that as we grow in the church, as we grow in the Lord, we can sometimes supplant the idea of a relationship with him with doing more stuff. I volunteer in this ministry. I give this amount of money. I go to church every Sunday. I pray at this time, from this time to this time, and I always use this book. I don't say these words. I do say these words. I don't watch that channel. I do watch this one. And then we look at those things and convince ourselves that God is pleased with us. When really what it is, is God is calling us to be listening for his voice, to be walking for him, to expect anything. You see, if we're not willing and open to God, we will not sense his spirit. We will not. If we read the the story here of the people walking along the Emmaus Road, after we found out that it was Jesus, they said, did we not feel our hearts burning within us? Do you feel him in your day-to-day? Do you feel him calling you? He's there. Open your eyes. Open your heart. These moments of clarity or wonder or even fear where we begin to feel our creatureliness, where we sense that there's something beyond this, out there speaking to us in here. It's in these moments we can know that the Spirit is calling, that Jesus is speaking to make his reality in your life real. What are you going to do? What is your response? You know, it's often in the most painful moments 
that Christ reveals himself to us. Those moments where we're at the end of ourselves, where there's nothing else that we can do. It's always, you know, we talked about at the 7 a.m. service, the idea of a reversal of fortune. Again and again through the scripture, we see stories and narratives and accounts of everything going one direction and seeming as if everything was lost. And then at the last hour, contrary to all expectations, things are flipped and they completely stand on their head. The resurrection is the biggest reversal of fortune for us in the history of history. When everything seemed to be lost, when these disciples were grieving, when it seemed as if hell had won, when nothing was going to change it, Christ arose and appeared to his followers. This was the most important person in their life. All of their hopes for the future were invested in this one man. And they hoped that finally they would shake the yoke of Roman oppression, that finally Israel would be restored to its place as the light among the nations. And yet even in the face of that, Christ died. So they went home confused, hopeless, and disappointed. Maybe you're in that situation now, confused, hopeless, and disappointed. Open your eyes. Open your eyes to the presence of the one who's calling you through them, who's speaking to your heart. Will you listen? Jesus is seeking us, and what do we do when he finds us? What's our response? Well, this resurrected Christ is calling you to believe and embrace the plan of salvation, namely him. The disciples on the road misunderstood the nature of events. Why? Why did they not get it? Remember, he asked them, what are these things that are happening? He's like, where have you been? Have you not known that all these things happen? They misunderstood why. They were not looking for a miracle. They were looking for a redeemer. They are a liberator. They were not looking for a redeemer. They dismissed the words of Christ, even though here on earth, while he walked with them again and again, he said, I'll be handed over to sinners. I'll be crucified and killed, but in three days I'll rise. And I'll be waiting for you in Galilee. He made an appointment for after the day of his death. I'll meet you in Galilee. That's why he calls them, oh foolish ones, slow to believe. They had been with him for years, showing signs and wonders and miracles, transmitting the very words of God to their hearts. Yet they did not truly believe. They were looking at their circumstances through God's eyes. The resurrection forces us to look at our circumstances through a different lens. The resurrection turns everything on its head. And we can live in the light and truth that when we trust in the Lord, we have power. There's something new. If they had understood who stood before them those three years, nothing that they would not have believed We forget who stands before us, Christ the King, the resurrected Lord and Savior. How do our problems compare? One who is resurrected because death could not hold him is the same one who lives in us when we come to him in faith. Our problems are little. God had a plan to save humanity from its sin. God is omniscient. He knew the end from the beginning. He knew... Since eternity passed, who you were. Do you know that? Do you realize that since the time before anything existed, you 
Your identity, your person was known to God. Think about that. There was never a time that you did not exist in the heart of God. He knew that you would be in need. He knew that you would be a sinner, that you would fall, and he knew that there would need to be a way to redeem us. So he sent his son. Moreover, his son said, I'll go. Send me for love for us and suffer and die. You see, God is a righteous and holy God that cannot look upon our sin. Christ, or God being perfect in his being, looking upon sin, it must be punished. And the punishment, the Bible says, is death. Of course, God loves us too much for that. And so he sent his son Christ who lived a perfect life and died in our place that when we trust in him, Christ comes to live in us and his sacrifice gets accredited to our account. And we walk in the fullness of that. 2 Corinthians 5.21 says, For our sake he was made to be sin who knew no sin, so that in that moment, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. That means that when God looked upon Jesus on the cross, he saw us. He saw our sin. And the father turned his head away. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Because of our sin. Out of love, out of love, Jesus died. But because Christ was sinless, death could not hold him. And on the third day, he raised to life. And more than that, seated us with him in the heavenlies. Did you know that when Christ resurrected, in some mysterious way, we resurrected with him? That we sit with Christ on the throne in glory and that our salvation is sure in him. Because he lives, we live. Not because we go to church, not because we don't sin, not because we don't cuss or watch this or do this or do that. Because Christ lives and we believe and trust in that, we live with him and are seated in glory. Romans says the righteousness of Christ will be counted to us who believe in him, who raised him from the dead, Jesus our Lord, who is delivered up for our trespasses and raised for our justification. That means the resurrection, raised for our justification. That means the resurrection is the proof that we have been counted righteous before God, justified, perfect, when we place our hope in him. The resurrection changes everything. That means if the resurrection is true, and it is, that means everything Jesus ever said about himself is true. That means anything Jesus ever said, period, is true. That means you really need a savior. You're really dead in your trespasses. That means that he is really the one with the keys of death and Hades. That means that really it is true that when we trust him for our life, that God moves with us, opening doors and closing others. And it's true that we will stand in eternity one day with him forever. The other day I was watching a video by Francis Chan and he was in a big church. And it was a huge stage and he had a long rope, hundreds of feet long, and he had the little end of the rope painted red. He says, this rope represents your eternal life and this little red piece represents your life on earth. We spend so much time focusing on this little red tip when we have all of this left. Why? Get more, earn more, have more. For what? So we can leave it all here. 
The truth is, the scripture says that when we live for the next life, storing riches in heaven, doing good works and trust and faith, seeking to live our life for the Lord, we accrue what we're seeking to have here in part, in whole then. Amazing. Have you ever considered where you're going to be in a trillion years? Think about that. A trillion years. And heaven, let me tell you, is not some ethereal plane where we're on a cloud with wings playing a harp. No. The scripture says that heaven is a place of flesh and blood. That heaven is a place that, imagine, you know what? Imagine life on earth with no pain, sorrow, suffering, death, no dissension, no fractions, no death, no nothing. Perfect. Perfect. Eden. Eden. Imagine that. It is that that we have to live for. It is that that we have to look forward to. And Christ being the first fruits of that resurrection ensures that we will follow him as long as we trust. Jesus is calling you on the road. He wants you to respond in trust and faith in him. But he won't force himself upon someone who's disinterested. The resurrected Christ is waiting for you to invite him to stay with you. Just as the disciples on that dusty road to Emmaus told the man they were walking with, Jesus, come stay with us. It's late in the day. Lodge with us. Jesus is waiting for you to receive him. We can harden our hearts to the truth and reject the promise of salvation that Christ offers. We can. We can sit and hear it again and again. I remember being a kid, not a kid, 20s, teens, 20s, and my mother saying things like, tomorrow's Easter, and the whole family's going, and I'd really like it if you came with. So I would sit there irritated, not believing one word that was said, thinking it was all a joke, but I came out of love for my family, hardening my heart the whole time. Because I did not want to believe that I had a need. I did not want to believe this was true. Why? The implications. That if the resurrection is true, everything I'm living for is worthless. And it's for Christ I should be living. It's for his will, not the little red end. We can continue trying to live in our power, spurning God's overtures to walk with you in love and in mercy, saying, no, I got this. I can do it on my own. But God is saying, I'm here. Jesus is saying, I am here. Listen to what Jesus says to the churches in Revelation. Behold, to the churches, not to unbelievers. Believers, behold, I stand at the door and knock. This is for people who have been going to church. <laughs> if anyone hears my voice and opens a door, I'll come in with him and eat with him and he with me. This is a message for everybody, not just unbelievers, not yet believers. Jesus is knocking on the door of our hearts. Have we received him? Have we invited him? When we do, he opens the eyes to, our eyes to his presence. We have to be looking. He forgives your sin. We get filled with the Holy Spirit, which is the down payment of an inheritance that we will have for eternity. More on that in the next series. You're going to want to come back on this one. And he gives us the power, the divine power we need to live the life that we really want. We really want. And one day we too will be raised up to new life. Jesus said in the book of John, for this is the will of my Father, that everyone who looks upon the Son and believes in him should have eternal life, and Christ will raise him up on the last day. So what are you waiting for? What's holding you back? 
Fear of the unknown, the cost, what you might lose. Have you ever considered what you might gain? The Apostle Paul in the book of Philippians says, for whatever gain I had, this is a successful guy. He was a Pharisee, advancing among the ranks, a Jew of Jews. This was a hot shot. He said, I count it as a loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For his sake, I suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish. That word rubbish is not a great word in Greek. You can fill in an English word there. Count them as rubbish in order that I might gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own, not one that comes from working and doing better, that comes from the law, but having a righteousness that comes from Christ simply by faith. Lord, I trust you that you died in my behalf and now God the Father sees me as perfect. That I may know him and the power of his resurrection. Yes, and even share in his suffering, becoming like him in his death, that by any means possible, I may attain the resurrection of the dead. Trusting in the Lord and doing it his way, responding to him in faith and looking to that day that one day we too will be raised to life in Christ if we only believe. The resurrected Christ is seeking you on the road to life. In life, of life. The resurrected Christ is calling you to believe and embrace the salvation, the plan of salvation. That's Christ himself, God's plan for you. The resurrected Christ is waiting for you to invite him to stay with you. What does that look like? What does it look like to in, invite Jesus into your life? And this is for believer and unbeliever. This, if you do not have a relationship with Jesus, this is for you. If you do have a relationship with Jesus, this is for you. We all need to hear this. First, it looks like saying, determining that you are not God. I talk to people often about God, unbelievers, atheists, agnostics. They say, what, you know, why do you believe what you believe? What is it all about? What do you need to believe? What do you? I said, this is really the bottom line. This is a good first step. The first is, is all you have to do is recognize that there's a God and you're not it. We live our lives as if we are in charge. We sit on the own throne of our heart and idolize all of these things around us. So we need to recognize and confess our need. We need to recognize our immense need for forgiveness, looking inward and saying, oh man, I don't know how not to sin. And choosing to believe and embrace Christ's life and death and resurrection on your behalf, you simply say, Lord, I believe and I take, I receive. And we go forward in that truth, walking our faith out and trusting obedience on the road to glory. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we pray that this Easter we would be, this, this day, this Resurrection Sunday, the day that we celebrate the most momentous reversal of fortune in the history of history, that, Lord, you would open our eyes to your presence in our life. We confess, Lord, that we take you for granted all too often. 
going our own way, seeking our own direction, being the God of our own lives. Yet Jesus, we know that we are sinners. And we know that you died on the cross and were resurrected on the third day to defeat sin and death that we might live in the fullness of life. And so we pray, Lord, that you would give us the knowledge, enlighten the eyes of our heart, open the eyes of our heart, Lord, to the truth of your presence. And may we embrace it by faith. We confess, Lord, that there was nothing we could do to earn this. And what we celebrate here today is a life renewed, the life that you promise us when we trust in you. So I pray, Lord, that, you, that today would be the day that you would open our eyes, give us the grace to receive you. Lord, make us willing that we might give you all the praise and all the glory. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Pastor Adam here. Well, I want to thank you for tuning in to Grace Bible Church, and I would love to hear what you thought of today's program or of ways that we can be praying for you and with you. So check us out on social media at GBCL. Also, if you would like to support our ministry, you can give securely at our website at www.gbclm.org. Now remember, God loves you, and so do we.